On today's episode, the Rockford Ice Hogs get swept out of the Calder Cup playoffs by the Chicago Wolves. Then I was joined by Gil Martin from Lockdown Islanders to discuss Barry Trotz getting fired out of Long Island, plus the possibility of him becoming the next head coach of the Blackhawks. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, May 16th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2. Or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds. Literally, just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, And feel free to go and leave me a review as well. I always greatly appreciate getting feedback from some of my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not watching the video version of today's episode already, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, folks. I just reached the 100 subscriber hump in the past couple of weeks. The numbers are still going up. I want to keep boosting those up, so please go and show some support there as well. If you haven't done so yet, go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate all the support. Go and smash the like button for me down below as well. And be sure to turn on those push notifications so that you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. Real quick, though, before I get into some of the good stuff, I got to remind you all that today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, for segment one today, let's dive right into the Rockford Ice Hogs getting eliminated from the Calder Cup playoffs last night after being swept in their best of five series with the Chicago Wolves. And during the regular season, the Ice Hogs had actually a ton of success against the Chicago Wolves, who were the top team in the AHL by a large margin. The Ice Hogs went 8-3-1 against Chicago in the 12 meetings against one another. But uh, during this series, everything completely changed because in the three games, the Wolves were simply the better team. They were dominant for the majority of it. Um, And... I really think that with Rockford being so young, as I've mentioned a couple times on the show now, they had the fourth youngest roster in the entire NHL. 
Um, going up against a, a really good and deep team like Chicago, I, I think that really caught up to them in this series. And I mean, taking a look at who the Chicago Wolves have on their team, I mean, they have a couple of former NHLers and Stefan Nason, who was the third leading point getter in the AHL this year. They got Josh Levo, who bounced around in the NHL with a couple of teams. They got Maxime Lejoie on the back end. Uh, their captain, Andrew Podorowski, was the leading scorer in the AHL this season. Uh, they, have, they just have a very good team. And that's, you know, a lot of credit deserves to go to the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Not only are they still alive and um, part of the final eight teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they also have an incredible minor league affiliate as well, uh, which goes to show you how well they've done from top to bottom as a franchise these past couple of years. Uh, but anyways, I, I really do think that the lack of experience in the youth of this Ice Hogs team um, really made it difficult for them to match up well with this deep Chicago Wolves team because throughout the series, they it just felt like Rockford was always behind the eight ball, if you will. They just they couldn't stop the pressure. They couldn't get Chicago out of the offensive zone. They were giving up far too many chances, getting outshot by 20, it seemed like, every game. Um, I also thought they were a little bit undisciplined at times, particularly in last night's game. Ryan Stanton took a couple of bad penalties. That was a little bit of the case throughout the series as well. And a good team like Chicago, they took advantage of those opportunities. So um, all in all, it, it, it was it was tough for the Ice Hogs and this young of a team <clears throat> to go up against a really good Wolves squad. Um, and quite frankly, Neither of the three games were really all that close. It was kind of a beatdown of a much younger and inexperienced team. Uh, in the series, Rockford ended up getting outscored 14 to 4. They also got outshot 127 to 66. Arvid Soderblom and Nat literally did all that he could to keep these games close. But uh, Chicago, they just they never took their foot off the gas, it seemed like. Even when they were up three or four goals in the third period, you know, they were still consistently getting their scoring opportunities, being the more aggressive team, getting the better of the chances, putting more pucks on that. You name it, they were doing it better than the, uh, than the Ice Hogs were throughout the majority of this series. Um, so, like I said, Soderblom did literally everything he could to keep these games close. Uh, aside from game one where... He ended up getting pulled after the second period. Still don't really think that was all his fault. Um, but in the final two games of the series, he literally did everything he could, and he was standing on his head to keep the Ice Hogs relatively in the game. Uh, both game two and game three ended up being four to one losses for the Ice Hogs, but that definitely could have been more lopsided had it not been for Soderblom's effort. Um, so, you know, you can't blame the goaltending at all for the way that this series went. Again, Chicago was just the deeper better and more experienced squad and Rockford got outplayed in all three games. It's really as simple as that. So definitely uh, sad to see the ice hogs getting knocked out of the Calder cup playoffs. I was really hoping that this team was going to get hot at the right time. And was just on, just at the beginning of a long uh, postseason run. I was hoping it was going to be a lot longer than what it ended up being, especially as someone that purchased AHL TV. I only got to, watch five games so what's that I paid 30 bucks five games six dollars a pop to watch I mean it's not the end of the world by the way folks I was planning uh on going to game two of this series at the Allstate Arena but unfortunately 
I literally got rear-ended on my way there. So, tough break. Had to wait in traffic back in uh, my hometown for about an hour with the police coming and filing a report. Fortunately, everyone was okay. I'm okay. It was a four-car accident. Um, my car, little scuffed up, dented in the back and whatnot. Uh, but that really put a hiccup in all of the plans to go to game two. So I apologize for not being to any of the games of this, uh, any of the three games in this series here. Um, but hopefully, you know, the Ice Hawks will be back at it again next season. And uh, who knows, maybe they'll even have a date with Destiny against the Wolves once again. And then I'll definitely be sure to be in attendance. Uh, but all in all, it, it really was a super fun season for this extremely young team and for them to even make the postseason with the roster that they had with all the youth that they had up and down their lineup it was pretty impressive all in itself and we saw a number of players take a a big step in the right direction moving forward obviously Lucas Reichel is at the top of that list uh, but I thought Ian Mitchell took full advantage of this entire season that he had down with the Ice Hogs I thought he had a really solid year as did a couple of other defensemen in Jakob Galvis, Isaac Phillips, Alec Regula. All of those guys should be stepping onto the scene in the next couple of years. Uh, Michael Tepley, who is someone that I've personally been super high on ever since the Blackhawks selected him in the fourth round a few years back. He had a really solid second half of the year on that top line with Lucas Reichel, as did Andre Altibarmakian. Uh, Dylan McLaughlin is someone who keeps being intriguing to me. He keeps putting up offensive numbers and has good speed and uh, good stick handling to his game. I know he's about to be 27 this summer, but I do wonder the Blackhawks think about giving him a contract. Uh, And then Arvid Soderblom, what a season this kid had in his first year over in North America, really looking like he could be the future netminder of the Chicago Blackhawks. So, Just a ton of these young kids made huge strides in their game this season, and that has me really eager and excited uh, to see, you know, who's going to be up in the show next year, who's going to be part of this rebuild, how exactly is everyone going to fit in. It's an intriguing time. I know it's not the best time to be a Chicago Blackhawks fan, but uh, there are certainly a lot of positives to take from the year that the Rockford Icehogs had. Not the way that anyone wanted it to end, of course, but. Uh, the success that this young team had this season should have all you Blackhawks fans uh, excited for a handful of prospects on their way up to the NHL in the next couple of years. All right, there was my breakdown of the Rockford Icehogs season officially coming to an end last night. Coming up in just a minute, I will get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is finally upon us. And Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired manager is going to land or who the first fired manager is going to be this year. Either way, regardless of what you want to bet on, Bet Online is your number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. And it's not just baseball. From the NBA and NHL playoffs, which are getting as good as ever, to eSports, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available 
for the 2022 season. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Getting into segment two today, I usually save Mailbag Monday for the third and final segment of the episode, but today I'm going to be jumbling things around a little bit because my conversation with Gil Martin of Lockdown Islanders on Barry Trotz getting canned and his future, that's only going to be available through the audio version of today's episode. So make sure if you want to check that out, which I definitely recommend. It was a super insightful conversation. You can go and do so for free on your favorite podcast app, wherever you get your podcast to hear all about Trotz getting fired and the chances of him actually coming to Chicago. But getting into our Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a couple of questions from a few lucky listeners right here live on the show. The first question I wanted to answer today uh, which is one that I didn't get to last week, got submitted like literally as I was recording the episode last Monday. Uh, but the question came from X of Brandon on Twitter who asked, do you think Taylor Radish is going to pan out as a consistent point guy moving forward? What is his floor slash ceiling in your opinion? That's a good question. And like a lot of folks, I definitely loved what I saw out of Radish in his 21 games with the Blackhawks this year. And not just from the offensive side of things where he scored six goals and four assists for 10 points in those 21 games, but I really liked his all-around game. I liked his physicality. He was good on the forecheck. He was tenacious. He, he knows how to use his size to his advantage. Being six foot three, 200 pounds, he's a pretty big boy. And I thought he, was, um, he did a good job of being involved in all facets of the game. I loved that. Now, a- as for... Uh, whether or not he'll ever be a consistent point producer. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a 70 or 80, like a point per game guy, basically. I don't know if he has that in him, um, but I do think he has, I'm going to say 40 to 50 point potential one day down the road. If I had to put a ceiling on Radish, I would say that it would be as a second line winger who, you know, probably 50 points, I think. Maybe that's a little low for his ceiling. I don't know. Possibly if he's, you know, surrounded by better talent, if he's going to be playing with, you know, Patrick Kane or Alex Dabrinkit moving forward, maybe that could bump up a little bit more. Um, but I definitely think that the the middle to bottom, no, it, it, the second or third line, I was trying to say, not the bottom six. The second or a third line winger is probably the ceiling that I have in mind uh, for Taylor Radish. But, um, you know, it, it's still very early in his career, but realistically, I do think the middle six forward group is probably where he's going to land. Uh, but again, still super young in his NHL career, really just stepping onto the scene for the first time this season. Uh, but I do think it's to his advantage that he got so much time to develop inside a really good organization at the AHL level for as long as he did. And now being 24 years old, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. And he's ready to step on onto the NHL scene, and he gets a legitimate opportunity now as a member of the Blackhawks, where he's going to be part of uh, the top six or be a, a third line winger moving forward. So I'd probably say 50 points right around is probably uh, the ceiling that I'd go with Taylor Radish. Second line, second line winger is probably 
uh, best case Ontario for a guy like him. Second question I want to answer today comes from at DTGreat13 on Twitter, who asked, help me understand how the Hawks continue to fail at drafting defensemen. First round pick is a scratch in the AHL playoffs. Shouldn't he be getting close to playing in the NHL? Uh, I'm assuming that David here is talking about Nicholas Bodan, who was scratched in four of the five playoff games for the Rockford Ice Hogs in the past couple of weeks. Um, But one thing I will say, is obviously Stan Bowman had a different idea of what he, what kind of defenseman he wanted to have on this team than what Kyle Davidson does. Um, And honestly, Bowman's, even Bowman's mindset on the defenseman himself changed within the past couple of years. We saw him take guys like, you know, Henry Yoki Haru, Adam Boquist, Nicholas Bodan, two smaller guys there on the back end with offensive upside. And then in his final draft as a member of the Blackhawks, he went with all size. He took Nolan Allen, took Ethan Del Mastro. Uh, he, he just completely flip-flopped his mentality on what kind of defenseman he wanted to build this team with. Um, but yeah, undoubtedly, Stan Bowman, there are a couple things that go into this, right? Um, I think you could say that he did such a poor job at drafting defensemen, but at the same time, he rushed all of them along in the process. Henry Okiharu, even though I thought he fared really well a couple years back in his short stint with the Blackhawks probably shouldn't have been up that early Adam Boquist shouldn't have been as up as early as he was and Nicholas Bodan is kind of the latest guy I think that's in that same boat but at the same time rushing Bodan onto the NHL scene has nothing to do with his progression or lack of progression for better terms uh, than what we saw out of him this season. He only had 16 points in 66 AHL games with the Ice Hogs. And that offensive side of his game is, you know, supposed to be his strong suit. So, um, and with all the defensemen in the system, you have to be worried about Odan possibly, you know, getting jumped over by a handful of guys. And uh, maybe, you know, even in this offseason, Davidson will think about trading him and giving him a fresh start elsewhere. I don't know, but it it certainly is not a good sign when your former first round pick defenseman was scratched in uh, four of the five AHL playoff games that the Rockford Ice Hogs took part in this season. Um, And as for the last part of that question, shouldn't he be ready to come up to the NHL at this point? Yeah. I mean, ideally you would think he'd be on the same path as about Ian Mitchell, where, you know, if not next year for sure, then it's going to be the year after. Uh, but with Bodan, who even knows at this point, right? Like, it's concerning and not the the path that anyone was hoping for. It always seemed like a little bit of a gamble for Nicholas Bodan being very undersized and the defensive side of things not being a strong suit for him. Uh, but I don't think anyone saw this kind of degression, if you will, uh, that he's put up with the Ice Hogs this year, not only with the lackluster regular season, but I think more telling than that was head coach Anders Sorensen not even giving him a look inside the playoffs until uh, the final game last night when Chicago got eliminated by Rockford. The third and final question I wanted to answer today comes from none other than the Rockford Ice Hogs Twitter account themselves, which asked me a uh, a very hard-hitting question that, took me a long time to think about would you rather have an unlimited supply of chocolate chip cookies or brownie bites and I really went back and forth with this one 
I'm not the biggest dessert or sweets guy, but these two things in particular were things that I kind of enjoyed. One of the few desserts or chocolatey things that I enjoyed as a child. I remember, um, you know, eating a whole container of brownie bites. They come in that little rectangle and they're like double stacked up. I remember just absolutely stuffing those down my throat as a kid. My buddy, one of my best friends, would always have them at his house. And they were, you know, the, the local fridge that you could raid if you were hungry. We were always playing sports there. They always had brownie bites. So I was really tempted to go in that direction. But ultimately, I decided to go with an unlimited supply of chocolate chip cookies because to me, I've always been a milk and cookies guy. And thinking about it, I think I enjoy a warm fresh out of the oven chocolate chip cookie dipped in milk more than I ever will enjoy a brownie bite. That's that's just the type of guy that I am. That's as good as it gets right there for me. Um, so that's the way I'm going to lean. It was a tough decision, but ultimately I'm going with the unlimited supply of chocolate chip cookies. I guess maybe a variable in this would be, do I get to freshly bake these? What kind of brand are they? Do they have to be the same kind of cookies, like the same brand? I don't know. There's a lot of things that could change my mind here. Like if I could, I don't know how to make brownie bites, but if I were given the recipe, like a perfect recipe that I couldn't possibly screw up, you know, maybe that could change things a little bit because brownies and milk, some warm brownies and a nice ice cold glass of milk, that could have me thinking differently. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll have to... Uh, reach out to the Rockford Icehawks Twitter account and ask them, you know, what kind of variables go into this. But I decided to go with uh, the chocolate chip cookie. I greatly appreciate the Rockford Icehawks for uh, taking this time and having some fun with me on Twitter, asking me this difficult question. And uh, I hope I didn't disappoint with my answer. All right, that takes care of our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. And don't forget, folks, if you want to check out my conversation with Gil Martin from Lockdown Islanders on Barry Trotz getting fired, plus the chances of him actually coming to Chicago. Be sure to go and check out the audio version of today's episode. It's 100% for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Summer is coming, and you're going to need some food for being on the go. Well, Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you everywhere you go. Throw them into your bags, into your, ooh, into your kids' backpacks, and make sure everyone has a bar to be fueled for their summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bars is that they're both delicious and healthy. So there's no more sacrificing delicious food for health, because with Built Bar, you can have both. You can get the best of both worlds. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? Because if not, and you're seriously missing out on one of the best best tasting protein bars on the market with flavors like banana cream pie, cinnamon churro. They actually just sent me a free box of birthday cake, which I, which was amazing. I get to try like 16 of these things. Uh, and best of all, they're only 140 calories and have 17 grams or more of protein. So head on over to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's built.com with the exclusive promo code LOCKED15, one word LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. 
Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Joining me now for a quick chat with Barry Trotz getting fired last week as the head coach of the New York Islanders. I thought now would be a good time to bring on Gil Martin, the host of Lockdown Islanders, for a quick chat on everything that's gone down recently in Long Island. Gil, thank you for taking the time to join me real quick. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking, sir, and thank you so much for uh, taking this time to jump up on the show and have this conversation because immediately after the news broke that uh, Barry Trotz had been fired from the New York Islanders, a lot of Blackhawks fans took to Twitter and social media to express their desires of him possibly being the next head coach here in Chicago. But before we get into that kind of stuff, I wanted to start first and ask you about just kind of the decision in itself to let Trotz go because he led quite a turnaround there for New York for, for the couple of years that he was the coach. Uh, There's, of course, a pair of Eastern Conference final appearances where they were uh, one game away from taking down the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then after, you know, just what seemed like, at least from an outsider perspective, one kind of bad first half, uh, the team decided to ultimately head in a different direction, which caught a lot of people by surprise. So I, I was just curious, you know, overall, what was the Islanders fan base reaction to this were they just as surprised as the rest of the hockey world what was kind of the feel about it Gil yeah there was a a lot of surprise I I did not expect this to happen when it did or or at all during this offseason uh I mean you look back at the Islanders last season and yeah it was a disappointment I mean you're coming off back-to-back conference final appearances and you're figuring okay well we should be a contender but look Because they had a new arena, they started the season with a 13-game road trip. Then you come home to an unfamiliar rink, uh, and then COVID hit the Islanders big time. They played, I would say, five or six games with seven, eight, even one game with nine players unavailable because of COVID. You're fielding, you know, an exhibition game roster is really what you're fielding. You know, a few NHL players and a lot of AHL players. So they go 0-8 and 3 in November into early December, and that more or less kills the season. I don't think you can blame, you know, Barry Trotz for that kind of set of circumstances. Uh, so I thought, you know, the three straight playoff appearances, the two straight conference final appearances, and the unusual circumstances surrounding why they didn't play well this season, he would at least have another year to sort of figure out what was what. But uh one thing we know about Lou Lamorello, he <laughs> doesn't have a lot of patience. I mean, he he has fired coaches with like two games left in the regular season when his team was in first place when he was with the Devils. So, you know, he uh, after the exit interviews, he decided to go in a different direction. Yeah, Lou's Lou's going to do Lou things sometimes. But yeah, that was kind of the most baffling part about it to me was the 13 game road trip to open up the year, you know, and the effects that that would have on a team. I also saw, I believe they played their final 50 games in a hundred days or something like that, if I'm correct. Yeah. I mean, you had a compressed schedule because in addition to all the games that weren't canceled because of COVID, they had a whole bunch of games. They had a whole West coast, Western Canada road trip that was canceled and had to be made up and some other teams that, you know, they had COVID. So the games got postponed. So down the stretch, and you haven't, the Islanders were the oldest team by average age in the league too. So yeah, that, that was definitely another factor as to why it was tough to make up the points after you go through the 08 and three slump, a lot of compressed games. Absolutely. And, and 
interestingly enough, through uh, the social med- social media and the Twitterverse, I've heard some whispers of one potential reason why Trotz may have been let go is that he might have lost the room a little bit this season. I-, I was curious, did you hear any whispers of that at all throughout the course of the season or now that the season's over? Uh, just, just basically wanting to know, is there any truth behind this rumor to your knowledge? There could be some truth to it in the sense that I don't think Lula Amarello was going to make this move until after he did his exit interviews with his players uh, after the season was over. So I, I think there was some pattern that that Lou picked up during the exit interviews that made him think twice about bringing back Barry Trotz. Uh, some of it may have had to do with the fact that it's such a you know, the system that he plays is a very demanding and exact system. And it requires a lot of, you know, being in the perfect position defensively at the right time, a lot of coordination. Uh, and it, it is, you know, physically draining to play that system over 82 games. The one thing that both years the Islanders went to the conference final had in common was they were COVID shortened season. So it wasn't as physically taxing over 82 games. Uh, and then I think the other factor was some of the younger players, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, uh, for one, and uh, Kiefer Bellows for another. You know, neither of them are developing quite the way that maybe uh, management had hoped. And Barry Trotz does favor veterans over younger players. And one, we're going to get to the system in just a second. I wanted to ask you about that as well. Um, but all in all, just last thing on Trotz, how do you think? this decision affects the Islanders moving forward because we've touched on this a couple of times. They got off to that slow start, the 13 game road trip to open up the year, but they really picked it up in the second half of the season and made things interesting, at least down the stretch there. So, um, but I feel like a lot of their success these past four years has been because of what Barry Trotz has been able to do in that style of play. How does this affect this Islanders team coming into a crucial off season for them as well? it really puts them at a crossroads. I mean, uh, do they go with a coach who's similar stylistically to Barry Trotz and keep the core together? Or do they, you know, go with a more offensive minded coach and then you have to really change personnel because the guys you've got are designed to play this defense first Barry Trotz kind of style. So uh, I was surprised by the move and I think it really does put the Islanders at a crossroads. Gil, getting into that style of play and just the overall mentality that Trotz brings to the table, for the folks who may not be very familiar with him and uh, the way that he coaches, can you just talk for uh, a moment a little in depth about what exactly he implements and also like the mentalities and what you need to do as a player in order to have success? Well, it's a defense first system. You build from the goal out. And even your elite offensive players in the Islanders case, it's, you know, your Matthew Barzal, your uh, Anders Lee, your Brock Nelson, even the best offensive players are going to have to sacrifice individual statistics to go back, back check, play defense, pick up their man uh, through the neutral zone and back into the defensive zone. That's priority number one. So this system, you're going to win a lot more games, three to two, two to one, one to nothing than six to five. It's designed so that everybody has to be in the exact place on the ice at the exact same time to coordinate the defensive uh, aspects of the game. It, it is 
definitely a physically and emotionally taxing system. And I think the reason he favors veterans over younger players is he knows veterans know how to execute the system, whereas younger guys make more mistakes. And if you have breakdowns and you try to win two to one, you know, you have three breakdowns and that game is over. You're not going to you're not going to win. So uh, the margin for error is not very big. And that does take a physical and emotional toll on players over the course of an 82 game season. And how did the players, particularly some of the more offensive minded guys like we know Matt Barzell, that there's been some interesting questions about uh, that system and his play in particular. But how did, you know, Anders Lee and Brock Nelson and those type of guys did they they feel or did it feel like they were enjoying having that system or did they did they understand that that's how they had to play in order to win or were they frustrated that they weren't having a little bit more freedom offensively? Probably a little bit of both. But I think, you know, what you just said, there's there's sort of a key to it. As long as they were winning, the sacrifice felt worth it. When you're not winning, it feels like you're banging your head against the wall and not getting anywhere. Because if you're going to make that sacrifice uh, and, and, you know, instead of scoring 30 goals, you're going to get 23 or 22. If you're not winning, it's not worth it because you're going to lose come contract time and you're not getting a playoff bonus check and you're not feeling good on a day in day out basis. If you're winning, you could say, okay, it's worth it. I I can make this sacrifice for the team. We have a chance to win the Stanley cup, but maybe when you get into an 82 game season and it's not working, the frustration level goes up a lot. Gil, last question I have for you before I let you go Uh, is someone like yourself who has become quite familiar with Barry Trotz over the past few years uh, do you personally think Chicago would be a place that he'd be open to going to despite them entering a rebuild? Because a lot of debate between Blackhawks fans and Blackhawks Twitter uh, since that news broke is whether or not he'd be willing to sign on for that type of process when he's really only been with winning teams for the last handful of years that he's been coaching. So I was kind of curious as to uh, what you thought on that debate. I think he would go if if management laid out the right conditions for him, you got to remember something about Barry Trotz. When he came to the Islanders, they did not make the playoffs the year before, and they had just lost John Tavares in free agency. When he took over as coach of the Nashville Predators, they were an expansion team. So he hasn't shied away from rebuilding programs. And I think he sort of relishes the challenge of taking a team that's struggling and turning them into a winner. Yeah, I I think he would be a a good fit in Chicago if management is willing to pay him enough and give him enough uh, say over the roster and, and, you know, all the other things that, you know, he is looking for uh, to take the job. But yeah, no, I think he'd be if you want to go from a a struggling team to at least a playoff contending team right away, you could do a lot worse than Barry Trotz. He'd get you there quickly. Well, I know a lot of Blackhawks fans out there are going to enjoy hearing you say that, Gil. Uh, But thank you again so much for taking the time to jump on the show tonight. I I really appreciate it and always greatly enjoy the chats that we have. Uh, For those out there listening that are interested in checking out you or your show, you want to let them know where they can find that out at? Sure. Uh, Locked on Islanders is available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And uh, you could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars NYR VS NYI. 
Once again, folks, Gil Martin from Lockdown Islanders. Gil, thank you so much once again, buddy. I really appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.